Are you sick of hearing you don't have enough experience to get work? Visit iPath.com to get the first part of our auto damage certification for free. Hello and welcome to the Independent Adjuster Podcast by IAPath. My name is Chris Stanley, and we're here to help you figure out how to get work in this industry and ultimately how to claim your life. Hey, IAs, and welcome to the Independent Adjuster Podcast by IAPath. At IAPath, we help you learn how to become a successful independent adjuster in 90 days. If looking to get started with auto, property, or catastrophic claims, head over to IAPath.com. Now, today, what I want to talk to you about is etiquette, and etiquette particularly on a catastrophic deployment and during auto inspections. I don't know a whole lot about the etiquette of a property claim, so I'm not going to go there in this episode. And if you watch the Adjuster TV um, episode where we talk about the auto inspection etiquette, it, it gives you some of the tips. I think a little seven tips I came up with that we demonstrated uh, that were all for hail. But there's some other things I'm going to talk to you about here on the podcast that you can do to make sure your customer service is top notch. Because if your customer service is top notch, whether you're doing daily claims, whether you're doing auto claims, or even take these principles and apply them to property claims, you're going to have a more successful career and you're going to have happier customers. So we're going to go hit the intro and then we'll be right back to jump into this. So here's the question. How do independent adjusters and appraisers like us who can't hide behind corporate logos, processes, and profits, who are spending our own money and reputation. How do we work in a way that lets us get work, assignments, deployments, and more income without wasting time or money in this world of insurance while we stand out in the crowd? That is the question, and this podcast will help guide you to the answers. My name is Chris Stanley, and this is the Independent Adjuster Podcast. Join myself and other independents on the path to non-corporate success in the insurance industry. We are IAs. All right, welcome back from the introduction. Etiquette. You know, hopefully we learn a little bit of etiquette as we're growing up. You know, forks go a certain place, knives go to a certain place. Uh, There's another spoon that is not a spoon. It's a soup spoon or something. You know, like we learn things in life, proper etiquette, how to call somebody on the phone, introductions, all of that. All that helps with claims. But there are sometimes specific instances that all of a sudden you find yourself with an upset customer And you're like, what did I do wrong? Why are they frustrated with me? What's going on? And a lot of times it comes back to expectations. And some of it, you just have to kind of know from other people that have experienced it that, hey, people are finicky about their cars. People are crazy about their cars sometimes. Whether it's a nice car or not, whether it's a nice car to you or not, doesn't matter. That is their baby and they drive it around. Most of us name our cars. My current van is called Plan B. Yeah, the sailboat doesn't work out. Guess what? There's always 
plan B. My first car was Rosie. And so every customer and insured and claimant, you go inspect their vehicle, they have a name potentially for that car. And if they have a name for that car, they care about that car. And they're watching how you treat it, engaging how friendly you are, how professional you are, how much the insurance company cares about their claim based on how you're treating their car. So we're going to go through those things today. And you can do to show that you care a lot and that you are professional and that you're courteous and you have good inspection etiquette. Now, somebody who wants you to have good inspection etiquette to give great customer service to everyone you encounter is ACD. They are the sponsor of this podcast and they handle auto, heavy equipment, RV, motorcycle, and small property claims. If you're looking to diversify where your claims are coming from, looking to dip into a few other areas and lines of coverage of the types of inspections you want to complete, you should reach out to ACD. They'd love to connect with you. They're willing to work with newer people, with veterans, with people who want to deliver great customer service. That's their goal. And guess what? ACD and their staff, they give great customer service, not only personally, but also through their software. It's so easy to work with, and they're a great company to work for. So if you're interested in working for them, send your resume and all your information to network at acdcorp.com. That's send an email with your resume and all your information to network at acdcorp.com. All right, so tip number one. Oh, and real quick, we do have a YouTube show that is ongoing. If you didn't know, I don't make a huge announcement each week about it, but we do have videos that we try to sync up the podcast with the videos so you have some visuals on the YouTube channel, the adjustertv.com YouTube channel. Um, and then the podcast kind of goes deeper and kind of more of a rant style to take you deeper on these topics. So um, this week, you know, you can see me practicing these different etiquette principles I'm talking about, but not all of them because I didn't go as deep in the video as I will today. So first things first, when you're inspecting a vehicle for hail, because we're kind of focusing on hail on a lot of these, there are some tall vehicles in hail zones, okay? If you're in Texas, they got big trucks. They got big SUVs, vans. And a lot of times it can be a challenge to be able to see the roof rails, to be able to see the roofs properly to be able to get a good dent count. Sometimes you need a good angle um, and you got to step up some way, somehow to get that angle. And a lot of people's natural tendencies is to open the rear door or the front door and put your foot on the door trim. <clears throat> don't do that. Okay, unless you ask the owner, and even then, they probably don't want you to. Because if you put your foot, whether you're at a shop or whether at the owner's house, my guess is you got mud, you got dust, and you're going to leave a footprint on the door trim, you know, um, on the floor, right where you step up. And a lot of owners really don't like that. And in my years on the cat line, I've seen a lot of people be really frustrated and file complaints with insurance companies about IAs. They didn't know they were IAs, but about these insurance adjusters who treated their car like garbage. And one of the big ones that came up was stepping on that trim right there when you open up the door so they could see the roof or the roof rail. So what are we supposed to do? Well, I suggest having a small two-step um, kind of step stool 
little mini ladder that you carry around with you. That's one option for if you're doing uh, cat claims. And that's a lot easier on the body than the other options. So, but that, that's option number one. Have a stool of some kind that you carry around with you, some kind of step ladder to get up to be able to see roof rails, roofs, and things of that nature this hail season. That way you don't have to step on people's trim. They do not want you to step on the trim, so don't do it. And if you have to, ask the owner's permission before you do it. Trust me, it'll save you some heartache down the road. The other way you can get up at that angle is to step on the tire. Now, a lot of times you have to put your hand behind the luggage rack or grab the roof rail or, or something up there to help pull yourself up onto a tire. But if you try doing that, you can watch me in the video. It's, it's not that easy, <laughs> even for me, having done it a bunch, um, if you're not used to stepping up that high. And at that point, you're like, man, this is really hard. Then you got to get back down. So I suggest the step stool. But if you need to, you can step up on the tire. And that gets you a little bit higher even than the door trim, give you a better angle. But it can be difficult to get up depending on your flexibility on uh, jumping up that high. So before you do that, though, ask the owner as well. It's not near as risky as stepping on the door trim, but always ask the owner before you start stepping on their vehicle. It's a sign of respect, a sign of etiquette. So that's that's number one. And another thing um, that you can do to greatly increase your or de I'm sorry decrease the odds of a complaint is to not wear a belt buckle and if you do have a belt buckle that's metal to turn it around so like it, even just a normal belt buckle that has a little bit of metal and a little uh prong sticking through it that can scratch the side of somebody's car when you're leaning up against it jumping up onto the tire looking at the roof all of a sudden you're leaning over and all of a sudden you hear a and you know I just scratched this guy's car and that is the worst feeling. And yes, I've done it, and I've seen other people do it, and it's not fun. So I learned this trick by uh, from Trish Burns, a good friend of mine, and she said made all of us who were inspecting cars for her turn our belt buckles around or wear plastic belts. And so look at the belt buckles that you're wearing on a day-to-day -day basis, especially when you're doing hail claims. But any inspection, really, you want to be careful what you're doing there. Laura from the community also mentioned hey, watch out for your buttons. If you have metal buttons on your pants, they can scratch vehicles as well. And that's a great point. I didn't even think about that. So buttons, belts that are metal can scratch. Um, another thing, um, don't put pins in your pockets. If you put pins in your pockets as a habit, I like to clip it to my clipboard or something or hold it in my hand. If you put a pin in your pocket, you forget about it, you sit down at a nice leather seat of that brand new Nissan Altima or whatever type of car it is and all of a sudden the cap's off or it bleeds a little bit and you sit down and it rubs against the seat it can mark up a seat of a car through your pants and so now you've just marked up that seat which getting ink off a seat ain't no joke and so now you can be in for needing to do a detailed cleaning or maybe even having to replace that seat if that doesn't get it out so be really careful where you put your pen. That's good etiquette. Don't put it in your pockets, not just for your clothes sake, but for the owner's vehicle sake. Another thing to look at is uh, your jewelry. Okay, just like belt buckles and, and, and buttons, what kind of jewelry do you have on your hands? What kind of jewelry dangling from your neck? Do you have um, metal or anything that will scratch a car on your wrists? This is big. I had a... a, a good IA, a good friend of mine, and he was 
so good at being an independent adjuster who was able to talk owners into getting their car fixed with the DRP shops. He was the best salesman I've ever seen in an IA. And he was looking at a car, admiring the guy's car, looking at the different angles on a fender, and he just rubbed his fingers, just his fingertips, across the fender of a car. And the owner of the car was like, hey, you just scratched my fender. He's like, what? How did I scratch your fender? What are you talking about? The ring on your finger. I think you just scratched my fender. Guess what? That guy ended up being such a pain for me. I was the manager of the shop that was fi- ended up fixing the guy's car that he sold to get fixed there. That's a whole another story that I wish he hadn't sold. But at that moment, we knew this guy was probably trouble. But listen, he has a legitimate point. If you have jewelry on your hand and you start touching the car, you may scratch somebody's car. You got, we don't think about this a lot of times. We have no ill intent. But all of a sudden, the owner is really careful about their car, and they see you being careless in their eyes with their car. They might file a complaint, or they might call you out and say, hey, you scratched my car. And we had to end up fixing that fender on us. Okay, so you don't want to be in a situation like that. Be aware of your jewelry. If need be, take it off or wear a different one um, that doesn't scratch metal. Um, I have a tattoo ring, but some people have replacement ones they put on for when working on cars and things. Just look at your different options, but just be aware what is dangling from your neck, what's on your waist, you know, for your belt buckle, what's on your wrist. All that can scratch a car, and if you're crawling all over it looking for hail or just looking at a collision claim, you can easily add to the damage if the owner sees you being careless could lead to a complaint. Uh, one other thing. Um, that's really important, especially on a catastrophic drive-in. Um, it's a little different than doing day-to-day claims. At a catastrophic drive-in, we're set up at a shop or set up at a Home Depot or somewhere like that. And the owner comes in, they check in, and then a lot of times we get the keys and we go drive the car around to the back of the shop to look at it, hopefully in better light than out in the sun. And when we're driving that car around, there's inevitably on different types of uh, parking lots and things, a lot of squealing sounds. So you can just be driving two miles an hour and you're turning the wheels and it's a horrible screeching sound. Just like, sounds like you're peeling out of the parking lot. We need to be careful that we're very intentional showing the owner that we're not driving fast. Because I can tell you from experience, uh, watching other people drive cars and seeing the owner's reactions when I was sitting there watching the owner, they might not have been going that fast, but it looks like they're going fast because they're not being intentional in how slow they're going. Looks like they take off fast. They hear the loud squealing sound. They look out and they go, oh my gosh, and file a complaint with the insurance company saying, hey, that guy was peeling out in my car. You know, you see a nice car, you're like, ooh, how fast is this? You gotta be really careful how fast you let a car take off, especially if it's, you know, a bigger horsepower car, a nice beefed up Mustang or Camaro or Corvette. Be really careful because the owner is watching. How are they treating my car? Are they doing it right? And I've even asked an owner before, hey, can you move this around for us? I just want to make sure I'm not used to driving your car. I imagine it takes off a little faster than I'm used to. Can you kind of pull it around for us? And I've had that happen before. But just be aware of what it looks like to other people as you're driving their car. Because that is super, super important in a way that can get really upset. So some of the things that I didn't cover in the video uh, this week on the Auto IA show is expectations so good etiquette comes can be presented through setting good expectations if an owner 
expects you to be done in five minutes and it takes you half an hour, that's bad etiquette. They're sitting there waiting. They're anxious. They're upset. They're grumpy and can lead to a complaint, whether that's daily or catastrophic, right? So when you're talking with an owner at the very beginning, if you've heard me talk about the inspection conversation, you come up, you meet an owner, you shake their hand, good handshake, good eye contact, introduce yourself, let them tell their story, and then you take their keys to go look at the car, to get the mileage and everything. Set the expectation right then. Okay, so here's what's going to happen, Mr. Jones. I'm going to go out and inspect your vehicle. I'm going to count all the dents I see on the car. I'm going to write it all down. I'm then going to go back to my computer and key it all into the computer to find out how much damage we believe is on the vehicle starting off. And what that's going to do is give us a starting point to get your vehicle repairs started. And it's going to take me roughly about 30 to 45 minutes. And I usually overestimate my time. Why? Because I know I can get it done in half an hour. But if it takes 35 minutes, I'm not late, right? So setting that expectation right up front, they understand like, oh, well, is it okay if I go walk next door to get some food? Yeah, no problem. If you're not here when I'm done, I'll, I'll have it waiting on my desk. You just come grab me and I'll, I'll go over it with you. And so that leads to this, another good point about etiquette is reviewing the estimate with the owner. We are involved in our industry to a level that we are experts. Even if you're in your first month of being an IA, even if you just graduated from IAPAS auto damage um, certification, it doesn't matter. You are knowing terms that the owner will think sounds like chemistry to them. Oh, well, we need to R&R the hood and R&I the insulator, the tabs, this, the headlights. You need to be R&I'd and aimed and like, what are you talking about? That is not language that everyday people use who aren't involved in our business and so good etiquette is speaking plain english so reviewing an estimate with an owner needs to sound more like this due to the hail damage on your hood it needs to be replaced there's so many dents it can't be fixed um, with paintless dent repair or because the hood's folded in half we're going to have to replace that now there's some other items on this estimate that have this abbreviation next to it r and i and that just simply means it needs to be removed for them to work on the vehicle and then installed when it's done. There's nothing wrong with the insulator as an example, but we need to get it out of the way so they can do the repairs. Also, we saw a crack in your headlight, so we're replacing that. We found 150 dents on the roof, right? And you go around, but you talk plain English. You don't use the abbreviations unless you explain them. You, you calm them down before they panic, like, I didn't know there was something wrong with my headlight or with my insulator or what's wrong with my belt rolling. No, we're just removing that. So you let them know up front. That's good etiquette, reviewing that with the owner. When we're reviewing an estimate, one of the things that the owner is most, is, is most concerned with is the total on the estimate. This goes for property, auto, anything. The total on the estimate and how long is it going to take to fix. In an auto, we typically divide it by four. Um, so if there's, you know, 40 hours of repair hours on an estimate, you can divide that up. Oh, we got about 10 days worth of repair. When it comes to hail, setting good expectations is good etiquette. You can let somebody know that it's going to take 10 days even on an all-PDR car. Well, I know it's not really going to take 10 days on an all-PDR car, but I don't like to tell them it's going to take one day or even two or three days because my guess is, if something goes wrong, if I estimate something improperly, if there's a delay in the shop fixing, 
Now, I've set bad expectations with the owner that it's going to be in and out in two days, and they might have made life decisions around that, and I didn't know that, but now I've got bad auto inspection etiquette because I set the wrong expectation. So set an expectation of at least, you know, it's going to take roughly 10 days to fix. They might get it done faster, but we're going to say 10 days uh, to be sure. And then if you're replacing a bunch of panels on a hail damaged vehicle, if you're replacing a roof especially, you need to put 30 days as your days to repair. Set the expectation right from the beginning because that's good etiquette. All right. Now, so that that's pretty much the etiquette tips I have for today. If you have your own inspection etiquette ideas, if you have your own things that you can think of that are like, hey, you know what, these, these are some good ideas, put it in the community. Email me, chris at iPath.com. I'd love to hear them, love to share them with other people. Um, but let's treat people's vehicles with respect. Let's treat them with respect because that's the proper etiquette we need to have as an IA moving forward. All right, this week, continue to claim your life and walk your path. Thank you so much for listening to the Independent Adjuster podcast. If you're interested in becoming an independent adjuster, you need a path, you need guidance on how to get working, head over to iapath.com. Are you dreaming of a career in auto damage, but find yourself not meeting the experience requirements? You can try the first part of our seven-part auto damage certification for free. This allows you to dive deep into auto damage training with no strings attached. And if you love it, you can continue on and purchase the full program. With this certification, you gain not just in-depth knowledge and skills, but also an all-access pass to our exclusive community, a full year of mentorship, and yes, get the two to five year experience requirement waived with over 40 firms. Your future in auto damage begins today. Visit iPath.com to start your free trial and discover where iPath can take you. iPath, claim your life.